Join us for Captain's Campaign for Cures. If you plan to attend Vive or Hims this year, get a photo with Captain, our lovable service dog, and we will donate to Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation to find cures for childhood cancer. For every person in the photo, we will donate $1 to Alex's Lemonade Stand. All you have to do is find Captain, grab your friends, take a picture, share it on social media, and put the hashtag Captain Lemonade or This Week Health, and we will make that donation for every person who's in that picture. Our thanks to SureTest and CTG for helping us to end childhood cancer. Welcome to This Week Health. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. Today, we have an interview in action from the 2023 Spring Conferences Vive in Nashville and HIMSS in Chicago. Special thanks to our partners, CDW, Rubric, Sectra, and Trellix for choosing to invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. You can check them out on our website, thisweekhealth.com. Now, on to this interview. All right, here we are from the Vive conference and we're joined by Chuck Christian with Franciscan Health Systems. I don't know why I forget the health system you're with. Have you been with them for a really long time? No, no, about four years. Give me a few days. April 7th will be four years. Four years. What do you think of the conference so far? I mean, oh, it's, it's great. I was I had a breakfast with Russ this morning. And, you know, when you look at the hosted buyer thing, you, go, you know, that's like speed dating. But actually, I did 14 yesterday. Wow. So, and I gave myself a break for lunch. And it was actually really good. I learned a lot about some companies that I didn't even know they existed. And the reason I did is because we're always looking for what's next and trying to figure out what's out there. Yeah, I had some really good discussions. I had some that I'm wondering why they chose me to sit down with them. Yeah. But I, you know, and the, the really interesting thing is that when you're having a really good conversation, 15 minutes goes by in a flash. But then you have those not so real good conversations and it just, when is it going to be over? I, I think the, the, Hosted buyer is one of the best things about this conference, yeah. is what I've heard from both sides. And I heard somebody said to me, they're like, hey, we're really laid back in this thing. When we sit down with the CIO or whoever we're sitting down with, we'll say, hey, here's what we do. Yeah. Any interest? And then if they say no, it's like, well, let's talk about, I don't know. Yeah. Let's talk about whatever else you want to talk about. Well, I sit down with David Ting. I'm on their, David's Townsides Advisory Board, and I know everything they're doing, but David still wanted to talk and you know, pick my brain a little bit, and I wanted to pick his. And then we, he's a woodworker, just like me. And so we talked about table saws and a whole, you know, making sure we counted all of our fingers and we still have all those. So. You, you know, I, I'm glad we captured that because David Ting could be one of the most broadly, oh, I I mean, he's just unbelievable, the, the amount it's of things he's one of the did. smartest guys I've ever run into and David used to call me because I knew him from Improvada days and David when he would call me about an idea and we'd start talking about it and I told him I said David you've had 45 minutes of conversation in your head about this you need to back up and let me catch up a little bit so it was great because I got to I've had the pleasure of seeing inside of his head a little bit more well this afternoon I have Drex and David on we're going to do a sort of a recap of the conference. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. it'll be fun. So 14 hosted buyer meetings. Yep. I keep pointing back here because it's right it, behind it, here. Right. What's next? I mean, you said you, you're looking at what's next. What's next? Well, I mean, we're looking at everything virtual. I mean, and I've listened to the pitches of quite a few virtual companies. And what we found out in our research is when you look at virtual, particularly in the acute care setting, there's a couple of different kinds. It's one to many, which could be telesitter, 
and it could be virtual nursing and that kind of stuff, but also virtual nursing is one-to-one, -one, one, that virtual nurse to the patient. And up until recently, I, we haven't found any technologies that has that same form factor that you can do both and will do the handoff because typically the group that's doing telesitter is a different group of people. They're more like the, the cardiac monitor techs and that kind of stuff. They're right. watching people, making sure they're not getting out of bed. And there's a, actually a couple of those technologies that have AI that watches for motion and that kind of stuff. I don't think you can ever take a human eyeball off of them and let the machine understand that the patient's about to get up out of bed, but if you need to have that one-on-one -on -one with a patient with virtual nursing, then it's a different form factor. So the other thing that we're doing, sorry to interrupt, oh, no, but please. we got a request from our nursing department about, and we call it virtual mentoring, because we have a lot of young nurses coming in, right. and so they have to have a mature nurse to stay with them and that kind of stuff when they get on the floor and there's just not enough to go around. And now you have a young nurse and a, a more mature nurse, a, a seasoned nurse, I'm not gonna say old. <laughs> but what we do is that if they're about to do a procedure or something that they've only seen or done once, then they can get that other nurse on the phone wherever she is, and they can you know, follow up on a couple of things and be right there with them while they're doing this procedure for the patient. We've got a lot of great feedback from the young nurses and the older nurses who can take a moment and not have to go to that young nurse that they're working with. You, you gave me a bunch of scenarios yep. there to go off of. Virtual in the acute setting is really interesting to me because we have this nurse shortage, we have a clinician oh, yeah. shortage, and we have a tech shortage, we have, we have a shortage, right? And so we, one of the things that people have come to us and said is, hey, as are there technology solutions that are gonna help us to spread the knowledge of this group? Yep increase the number of product, productive hours of this group. And so you talked about Nurse Sitter. When you talked about AI and some of those things, I've interviewed some of those companies, and they're not looking to replace the nurse, but their case is the nurse can't be in that room right. at all times. And so we have an eye on them, yep. 724, 365, and the models are saying, hey, something's about to happen. So it gives them that warning that something's about to happen. Well, I mean, I, I would agree with you. Another thing, too, is that you have nurses who've been nursing for 40 years. They're not ready to retire, but physically, they cannot do the, you know, they can't right. be on they, their feet all day long. Move and so, patients around. And right, and they've, they've been there, done that. They're trusted by the rest of the staff. They're trusted by the medical staff. And so there are things that you can remove the cognitive workload from the nurse because I don't know if you've ever been through an admission assessment re recently. They're mind-numbing because you have to capture all this information about the patient. Even if you already have an EMR, you still have to validate it with the patient to make sure that everything, something hasn't changed. And then, when the, if the patient has a question, wants to talk to the nurse, pop her from the screen. Why do you have to wait for the nurse to come to the room? That was my question. So, do we have to do things in the rooms to prepare them for this, this virtual world? Yeah, the, for the patients? Yeah. Absolutely. They have to be... They have to be educated. Most of the people I've talked to have already done this. Deb Gash out at St. Luke's in Kansas City. I talked to her, they've been doing it now for a couple of years and they're about to roll it out. And they may already be rolling out through the entire system. Alex's Lemonade Stand was started by my daughter, Alex, in her front yard. By the time she was four, she knew there was more that could be done. And she told us she was gonna have a lemonade stand and she wanted to give the money to her doctor so they could help kids like her it was cute, right? She's going to cure cancer with a lemonade stand. Like only a four-year-old would think that. But from day one, it just exceeded anything we could have imagined because people responded so generously to her. 
We are working to give back and are excited to partner with Alex's Lemonade Stand this year. Having a child with cancer is one of the most painful and difficult situations a family can face. At Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation, they understand the personal side of the diagnosis, the resources needed, and the impact that funded research can have for better treatments and more cures. You can get more information about them at alexslemonade.org. We are asking you to join us. You can hit our website. There's a banner at the top and it says Alex's Lemonade Stand there. You can click on that and give money directly to the lemonade stand itself. Now, back to the show. So do you have cameras in all the rooms? Do you have? Not yet. You know, the thing about it is we've been, I stood up a tech innovation center so we could actually test the technology because there's all kinds of stuff and the requirements are so different from depending upon what it is you're wanting to do and some of them are a little more aesthetically pleasing they're a little more hidden and some of them are you know you know they look like you're about to be executed because of the size of the cameras and, and we've been doing this long enough to know you buy that camera and within it's, it's 10 minutes it's, it's extinct right yeah. and so we have to be thinking about what are the use cases we have for today, but how long can we get these th things to last? And if we can't get them to last for a long time, there's no reason to put a $1,000 camera in every right. room. We saw this with video conferencing yep. stuff a long time ago. So sometimes it's better to go with the least expensive camera you can find yep. that can adequately do the job Well, the thing you know the, you're going to replace it. Well, the thing about it is I think everybody goes to that, that ultimate that's going to zoom right into the patient so you can do a diagnostic quality image. And for the grand majority, you know, for me, it's a kind of an 80-20 thing. You know, you may have 20% of the time that you need the physicians on the end. It could be a hospitalist or it could be a neurosurgeon or somebody on the other end that needs to see the patient very up close, very detailed. But I don't think that's the, the usual use case for it. It's a, about a 20% solution. There's no reason for you to spend 80% of your money on that 20% solution. Yeah. I'm curious. I, and. It seems like a really big exit question, but yep. I've been talking to a lot of, of technologists and CIOs about platforms. Yep. We don't seem to be bringing a lot of new, really big platforms in. We want to use the technology that we yep. have. How are you guys approaching this in terms of rationalizing the number of applications? How, how are you viewing it? What's your approach or your mindset to simplifying the environment and reducing and driving costs down? Well, you know, be surprised. We just have gone through an app rationalization process and I've also done a workload placement strategy about what things do I need to move to the cloud, what can move to the cloud easy, which ones are more expensive and harder. And what we found is in an organization our size, there was a, a lot of duplication. And I shouldn't say a lot, but we found applications that maybe one or two people use that the same functionality can be handled by these other applications, and so we're shrinking that portfolio. Uh, and they also, too, we have with 12 hospitals that used to be allowed to roll their own, do whatever they wanted to do, is we're finding that there are enterprise-wide solutions that we need to put in place to take care of this functionality, then we'll support them from the enterprise rather than that application being orphaned because there's nobody at those facilities to support them. There's nobody on my team that understands them because they were put in so long ago. So I think there is a lot of appetite to do that because we'll find some that you basically, you have to do a screen test on, not a screen test, but a screen test, unplug the server because you can't find anybody using it, so you unplug it, nobody screams. If it's got PHI on it, you hand it over to the archivist and make a determination. That, that was go. actually a documented process for us. Yeah, exactly. Like we When we did our inventory of 930 applications, 
we had, could you identify the owner? Could you identify users? Yep. Could you? And if you couldn't, it was like, all right, the next step is unplug, unplug it. it. Yep. Wait for the wait for the phone call to the help desk or yep. or email to. Well, we had we were looking at one SQL data uh, server. It had 130 applications on it. Most of them were built internally long ago. And I still, one of my architects is one of the developers that built most of them. And he knew exactly who was using them. But those people were long gone. And so we were trying to make a determination. So we just started turning the databases off. And nobody ever called. But we were running those, we were backing them up. Yeah. We were, and then we were actually modifying code because when you go to the next level of SQL Server, it right. won't run, so you have to modify it to run, or re at least recompile it. So we quit doing it. So we got a, rid of about half of them. Yeah, it's amazing. Chuck, I want to uh, thank you for your time. Hey, you're very welcome, Bill. It's good to see you Appreciate again. It. Thank you very much. Another great interview. I want to thank everybody who spent time with us at the conference. I love hearing from people on the front lines, and it's phenomenal that they've taken the time to share their wisdom and experience with the community. It is greatly appreciated. We want to thank our partners, CDW, Rubrik, Sectra and Trellix, who invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.